Chapter 12 of Billy Whiskers, The Autobiography of a Goat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Tom Merritt. Billy Whiskers, The Autobiography of a Goat. By Francis Trago Montgomery. Chapter 12 what billy did on sunday billy after running out of the circus stood in the shadow of a shed under a large tree from this hiding place he could perceive all that was going on at the circus as it was bright moonlight beside all the workmen had lights fastened to their caps so they could see without the bother of carrying a lantern around First, Billy saw them hitch the draft horses to the animal wagons and vehicles they had for carrying baggage. Then the big tent closed, as if it were an umbrella, and it was rolled up and put in a wagon made purposely for hauling it. Then all the riding horses, with the men and women performers on their backs, started the procession. Next came the cages filled with animals, and last the baggage vans, and feed wagons. After they were well on their way, Billy trotted on behind, keeping well in the shadows. They had been crawling silently along the highways, like a huge snake, for a long while, when all of a sudden the long line came to a sudden halt. There was great noise and confusion ahead, and, of course, Billy's curiosity called him to the front immediately to see what was the matter. In passing, the wagons which had been left by their drivers to go forward and find out the cause of the sudden stop, Billy accidentally ran into his friend, Senorita Barroeta, which means Miss Baby Barrow, as his friend was called. How are you, Betty? For in their short acquaintance, Billy had shortened her name to that. I did not know you with that pack on your back. Aren't you tired carrying that heavy load? Yes, answered Betty. And the girth pinches me. They did not get it on straight, and every time I step it hurts me awfully. Here, let me see if I can fix it, said Billy. Oh, never mind. I can stand it, for it isn't the first time they have buckled a piece of skin in. Beside. You could not unbuckle it with your teeth or feet. No, but I can chew the girth in two, if you don't mind being pinched a little more while I'm doing it, said Billy. So Billy commenced to chew the girth, which he could get at easily, where it stuck out from Betty's side to pass over the load on her back. And we know better than Betty that Billy was good at chewing rope and straps in two. Soon the girth began to give, and Betty swelled herself out, and the girth split in two, and let the load on her back slip to the ground. Then the goat and burrow ran ahead to see what all the scolding and loud talking were about. When they got there, they found the elephant had broken down a little bridge that crossed the narrow stream, and there was no way to get the wagons over. The elephant, before crossing, 
had put his forefoot out to try the strength of the bridge. And with a little shake, the bridge had collapsed and dropped into the water. Had he stepped on it without trying it, he would most likely have been killed, for it surely would have gone down with him on it. The only way now to get across was for the wagons to drive down the steep embankment, through the water, and up the other side. This they proceeded to do, but Billy and Betty jumped the space. Then they scampered on ahead after the horseback riders, who had gone before. As they ran, they could hear the lion's roar and the hyena's laugh when their cages were driven into the water, and the water rose on them, while the elephants kept up such a trumpeting that it awoke all the country folk who were near enough to hear it. And they thought the day of judgment had come, and it was Gabriel's trumpet they heard. A poor, ignorant Swedish family that lived on the bank of the stream by the bridge were awakened by the noise, but were afraid to get up and look out of the window to see what all the commotion was about. At last, the brave husband, by coaxing and threatening, succeeded in getting his wife out of bed. As she had never been to a circus in her life or seen anything but the picture of wild animals, she was nearly frightened to death at what she saw passing in the moonlight and ran back to bed and put her head under the covers and would not speak a word, though her husband threatened to kick her out of bed. Poor woman, she could not tell him what she saw, for she did not know the name of the animals. At last... Her husband got up courage enough to go to the window and look out, as his wife had. But he stayed less time than she did, for just as he got there, the lions gave a mighty roar, and all the animals followed suit, for the lion's cage was passing through the water, and they did not like the cold water crawling up their legs. And of course they thought they were going to be drowned, while the Swedish workman thought he was going to be chewed up alive, and flew back to bed, with teeth chattering, and held on to his wife for protection. And had a lion really come after them, he would probably have thrown his wife at the lion's head for him to eat, while he made good his escape. All this time, Billy and Betty were trotting along side by side, gossiping about people in the circus, and all the time it became lighter and lighter, as it was getting nearer sunrise. About five o'clock, they saw, away in the blue distance, a tall church steeple, and they knew they must be nearing the town where the circus was to be held. As they came nearer, they could hear the sound of the church bell ring out on the stillness, calling the people to early morning mass. And soon, they could see the people going to church, and the mothers take their children by the hand and pull them into the church, as they did not want them to see anything so wicked as a circus procession on Sunday morning. Billy, noticing this, said, Let us give the children a treat. When the people are in the church, we will walk in and see what it looks like inside. The two mischief-makers hung around out of sight until the people had stopped going in. Then they walked boldly into the vestibule, 
Here they saw a marble basin filled with clear, cool-looking water. They stopped and drank it. Not knowing it was the holy water, the Catholics crossed themselves with before entering church. The church aisle was separated from the vestibule only by two green baize doors. These Billy and Betty pushed open with their noses, and while the organ was playing and the priest were kneeling, Billy and Betty walked the whole length of the middle aisle, side by side, as if they were a bridal couple. When they arrived at the altar, Billy stopped and commenced to eat some roses that were in a vase on the altar steps. The congregation sat stupefied with horror to see these animals in church and directly behind the kneeling priest and choir boys. The music made Betty lonesome, and she threw up her head and let out such a loud mule-like bray that it frightened the kneeling priest, and he jumped up as if shot for he thought he had heard Balaam's ass bray. But when he turned and saw standing behind him a live burrow and a goat, his astonishment knew no bounds, and he stood gazing at them with open mouth, while the choir boys laughed and giggled and thought it a good joke. Soon the ushers and deacons came to their senses enough to come forward and try to drive the beast out. But when Billy saw them coming, he ran up the altar steps, into the pulpit, and Betty ran through the first door she saw open, which proved not to be the outer door, but one which led into the room where the choir boys dressed. When Betty appeared there, the boys laughed and screamed and drove her out into the church again, and kicking up her heels, she ran out of the church, braying for Billy. When Billy saw her go, he ran down the altar steps, upsetting a nearsighted deacon who was coming up to help drive him out, and bleeding to Betty that he was coming, he rushed through the door. They trotted along side by side down the street until they came to a beautiful place surrounded by a tall iron fence. Through the fence they could see a large brick residence with a cupola on top. On one side of the house was the flower garden while on the other a fruit patch and vegetable garden. And oh, how good the fresh green lettuce and beet tops look to these tired, hungry travelers. Let us go in and help ourselves, said Billy. We can't get through the fence, said Betty, and it is too high to jump. You remind me of Nanny, for she was always finding objections and obstacles to everything I wanted to do. Well, who in the world is Nanny? I should like to know, said Betty. Why, haven't I told you about her? asked Billy. No, you have not, Billy Whiskers, and I should like to know right away. Well, I will tell you, Senorita Berroetta, and you need not be so cross about it either. She is my wife, and a sweeter, dearer little wife no goat ever had before. Betty stopped stock still in the road and glared at Billy for a second, before she could speak from astonishment. Then she said, Billy Whiskers, you are a gay deceiver, and you know you never told me you were married, and I am sure I always thought you were a bachelor. I am very sorry if it makes any difference to you. 
"'But I never told you because we have been so busy talking of other things, "'and I have not had a chance.' "'Oh, very well, then,' said Betty. "'I will forgive you, if you did not mean to keep it from me.' "'So the two made up, and commenced to look for a gate or way to get into the garden. "'At last they saw where an iron bar or two of the fence had been broken.' making quite a good-sized hole, and through this they squeezed themselves and were soon having a feast off of Deacon Jones' prized cabbages, lettuce, and beets, while the family, including the deacon, were at church. They were still eating when they heard the iron gate shut with a clang, and looking up, they saw the deacon coming toward them, swinging his cane in frantic anger, showing that he had already forgotten his Sunday school lesson. Let not your angry passions rise. Billy, with a mouthful of carrots, started to run toward the stables, trusting to find a way out, and Betty, with a twist of her body and a squeal, followed after him. They were just going into the barn, the door of which was standing open, when a little yellow dog ran out at them and commenced to bark and bite at Betty's heels. She let one foot fly out quickly behind, and Mr. Doggy went rolling over in the dirt. And at that minute, Billy spied a little open gate that led into the orchard, and through this they both ran, with the deacon and dog still after them. When they got to the other side of the orchard, they came to a rail fence. This Billy took at one jump breaking the top rail as he went over. And it was a good thing he did, for it helped Betty get over, as she was not as high a jumper as Billy. They were over the fence, and a good way down the road before the deacon got to the fence, and then he was so out of breath from running that he gave up the chase, called off his dog, and, throwing two or three stones at them, turned and walked slowly back to the garden to see what damage they had done. Billy and Betty wandered around all day and at night went to sleep in a straw stack on the outskirts of the town. End of chapter 12